So we are moving in his glory. Um, so what we're going to do today, because it's a new venue um, and everything is new, there's a few new, new, new people here as well, we, we thought it would be good to again share a, a little bit about who we are as a church and what is the, the vision that God put on our hearts. Um, because why? Why do we share vision? Why do people need to, to know who we are and what the Lord has for us? So, number one is, it reminds us actually of the bigger picture that God has for us as a church. Um, it, it, it helps when you know this church actually has a, a vision, because without a vision, what happens? Who knows their Bible? Without a, a vision, people perish. If we don't have a vision, what are we doing? Walking around in circles. So, it actually helps us see the, the bigger picture where God called us as a church for. And also, when we understand what the bigger the picture is, it gives us all a sense of a belonging and ownership and identity that we, we help move this church forward. I mean, she just now said um, that so many years, actually, I actually know everyone here helped make this happen in some way or another, by prayer, by finances, by your, your skills, your time. Um, so you all took ownership and made, made this happen, which is amazing. And also, yes, I said that now, so it gives us identity and purpose as, as we all help to build towards the vision of God that He has for us as a church. Make sense? Yes, you're still happy? <laughs> if I'm going to see someone today once like this looking at me, uh, I'm going to pick you out, you're going to stand next to me the whole sermon. Nedja. Nedja. So, well, who knows what is the vision of the church? What's our vision? Yeah, vision is to establish a loving, a Bible-based kingdom community. To establish a loving, Bible-based community. And what does that actually mean? So I'm going to start with the first one. Um, and that's for us to be the loving church. And what that means, what that entails. Why should we be a loving church? God is love. In 1 John 4, it says God is love, and that's why we must also be loved if we are believers and we walk according to His ways. If He is love, we must be loved. As simple as that. So, um, but it's, it's, it's as simple as, as that, but we don't always understand what it means to love. Like, how do you, how do you love? What is the, what is the secret recipe? How do we love the people? Um, how do we love the world around us? And as I was pre pre preparing the sermon, um, I was, this whole week I was thinking, Lord, how can I, how can I make this clear? Um, how to practically love? And something from your word, not from what I think, but from your word. And there was a scripture that the Lord showed me in Micah, and that scripture is, is about sort of a, um, uh, what is the English word for this? I don't even know the Afrikaans, I don't know. It's where God speaks to, to Israel, it's sort of a, a metaphorical conversation, you, you know what I mean. So, so it's, it's where Israel speaks to the Lord and says, hey, God, but you know, we do this, and we do these things, and we do all these good things, so they do all this, these lip service things, and they ask, God, what else can we do so that you love us, and so that we can help the people, what can we do? So it was all sort of 
lip service and works best. Like nothing with to do with ashes of God. And the Lord, and He gave them a really good answer. So if you have your Bibles here, let's turn to Micah 6. And we're going to read from Micah 6, verse 7 to 8. that says will the Lord be pleased be pleased with thousands of rams so that they want to do all these offerings and things the ten thousand rivers of oil shall I give my firstborn for my transgression so shall I offer my children for you God the fruit of my, my, my body for the sin of my soul like, what do we need to do Please, you God, should we be rich? I mean, thousands of rams and thousands of rivers of oil. So, should we be rich to please you? Should we offer our children? Like, what should we do, God, to get your, your only favor? And then I love it in verse 8 it says, That's how the Lord, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So they, they wanted to know, how can we love like you do? What should we do to get your favor? What should we do to love the, the people? Lord said, and this is something we can all memorize this, Micah 6, verse 8, do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God. So I'm just going to break that down a little bit more and then we go to the next point. So, number one is It's not just something that we believe in, that we know we believe in the right things and the right things should happen. It, it's more also about action that we do. So it's going to be, it's going to require something for us to love others. It's going to be an action to love people. In, in the worldly terms, we, we, we would say if, some, if someone does something wrong, they should have a just conviction according what they did, right? That's, that's how it works. But it works a little bit different in scriptures, in the Bible. In, in scriptures, you can't be just or live with justice if you don't have mercy on someone. Say for instance, we, you, um, you walk into the new church here, and it's so awesome that remove your shoes and you put your, your shoes outside there. And some very rich individual with closets of shoes comes and take your shoes, they steal your shoes and they make a run for it. Now, take the same thing, you put your shoes there and someone very, very poor comes with no shoes, steal your shoes they have that need to protect their feet from frostbite in the winter. So, how would you treat these two? Would you treat them the same, because it's the same crime? Or will you have a heart of mercy that, that influences how you treat them? How do you show to them justice? think about Jesus, God actually, um, he sent his son, Jesus, not for his own gain. We all know he had it already, so what more is there 
and he sent his son not, not, for, um, not for himself, but for others, so that others can receive mercy and justice. And who are those others? The widows, the orphans, the, the poor, the, um, the people that society rejects. It's all on them. That's also a part that, that that's why our our heart is also so much to help family Ubuntu because they are some of the poorest of the poor and also by the people around them they are very, very much ostracized and rejected because of who they are. So the, the, the justice we need to do the justice, but we can't do it if we do not. Jesus, um, he summed it up when he said that love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Show them mercy. My, my last point then it's your turn. It's way over my five minutes. I'm going to take some liberties, but it's okay. Um, the, the last one is for us to show justice and for us to love people and show them mercy, we can only also do that when we walk humbly with God. It's all connected. You can't have one without the other one. So, walk humbly before God. What does it mean to walk humbly? It means that one thing you should know is that
know that and you come with a teachable spirit to God, then you can humbly walk with God. Amen. Make sense? Um, the next scripture, that's my last one, and this is this is something also that we all know. It's in two chronicles, and we see this a lot. We read this a lot. Um, I'm going to read it again today. Two chronicles seven says the following. It says, "My people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves." believer in God, you are called and you will humble yourself before God. And they will pray and seek my face. That's an action that they do. And they will turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So there's, there's a lot we can say about that one scripture, but there's just one thing I want to pull from this, and it's the word wicked ways. Words, wicked ways. Wicked ways, if you do a word study, you'll see that wicked ways means unjust ways. So what the Lord is actually asking us here is to turn away from injustice. Not turn a blind eye to it, but turn away from it. Let us not do it as believers. So then we can act justly, we can love people, we can love mercy, and we can walk humbly with God. That's the first one there. Being a loving church. So Marissa is going to do the, the second one. I mean, come on. I think it's important that we take a little extra time on the first portion of love. Because it's actually the most important, isn't it? It's the most important thing. And I love what Johanna said that you know, how do we love people? Because it's important to remember that we can only love if we know the love that we have received. Because the love of the Father is actually the thing that will heal us from every bit of brokenness and every bit of hurt that we've ever experienced in life. It's only the love of the Father. And we can only love if we've received that love ourselves. So, as we were just preparing, how do you know when someone is a teacher? Five minutes is never five minutes, only on paper. So Johannes and I both have that challenge. So we'll try and stick to, um, you know, a time I know of everyone's chicken. Uh, we joke about the chicken burning in the oven every single week. But um, I'll try and stick to my time this morning. Pray for me. But you know, when we spoke about the vision, we actually shared the vision on our very first Sunday on the. 2nd of February 2020 when we launched at the barn and when we revisited, I mean we talked to the team about the vision all the time because as Johanna said, Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 29, verse 18 says that without vision people will perish. In other words, if we don't have vision, if we don't know where we are going, we're not going anywhere. We will actually stay around in circles and so that's why we talk to our team about vision all the time. Our team leaders talk to their teams about vision all the time. Because it's important to know where God is taking us. Because it will actually carry us in the difficult times where we want to give up. And where we need to be reminded, hey, remember what God has actually called us to do. Because sometimes we can get so overwhelmed in the little details. Or we can get distracted with other things that can actually take us off course. And when we started talking about the vision again, and Johannes and I got excited, and we were talking about, okay, who's going to share what? I wanted all of them, and he's like, well, he also wants a turn. <laughs> and um, I said to him, what actually stood out to me was the word establish, which is actually not what we are going to talk about today. But the word establish stood out to me. And what does establish actually mean? It actually means this. It means to institute something permanently by 
firm or stable to introduce and to cause to grow and multiply. To place something securely and permanently in a position, situation or condition. How powerful is that? You know I love a good definition. Because sometimes you can always oh, well, establish in the vision. What does that mean? It actually means that we are building towards something that will actually be permanent and secure. It will actually be fixed in a place where God can actually do something significant with it. And we've been speaking about who is the church and what is the purpose of the church for the last two weeks, three weeks, I don't know where we are. And we said in there that we know that Jesus is the one actually building his church. And that takes a huge amount of pressure off any church leader. We just need to remember that because we can quickly come to a place where we think we are actually it. And Jesus is actually the one building his church, but Jesus actually uses us as well because we are his body, we are his hands and we are his feet. But to establish will actually mean that this vision that we're constantly talking about and dreaming about and praying about will actually require all of us to participate. It will actually require all of us to, first of all, nurture our relationship with the Lord, but then second of all, take our place of belonging within a community. And as I was praying about it and talking to Johannes about it, I was actually reminded, you know, we keep using this term and speaking about we're building the church, we're building the church. But actually, what we are doing is, if the church is actually people, we are building people. So we are not going to build the Sunday service. We are not going to build the coffee team or build the sound team or build the logistics of the children's ministry. We are going to build people. And then God, Jesus, is building his church. That is what it's actually going to be about. That is what the vision is actually about. It's never about building a gathering. And don't make a mistake. Almost love gathering. <laughs> okay. We don't want a TV ministry. We want a physical gathering. We've been called to be a local church that actually impacts people's lives. Where I know how Bonai is doing. I actually know what is going on in Carl's life. I know the names of their children. But that's the aim. Okay, we must know each other so well. That's actually totally not my point. I'm talking about Bible base. Okay, can, can you just um, show me that timer? Because you're sitting in front of the timer. Okay, what I actually wanted to say before I actually go into being Bible-based is at the back there will be our info desk. I'm actually jumping back to logistics just for a brief moment. That will be our info desk right at the back. And so when Johannes was talking about the Ubuntu uh, outreach, the practical needs, what I just wanted to encourage us as well is we don't actually have storage. So before you come next week with all your blankets and all your clothing, please hold on to it until we let you know when you can bring it to church. Um, so what we thought would be a great idea is for us to have a sign-up sheet, and if you want to donate one blanket, you can just write down, I will bring, I will pledge, I will bring one blanket. Um, or if you want to bring baby's clothing, then please just write down, hey, I want to bring baby's clothing, and how much, or how many, or whatever. Because then it will give us an indication of exactly what we are getting. Um, and also, if you want to donate towards mattresses or you want to donate to, we also want to raise funds for a PA system. So when we have crusades in the evenings, we can also have a microphone and a speaker. It's actually just a speaker, basically. That, so if you want to donate to things like that, you can actually just write down a pledge there. And then we kind of know, we want to make sure that we get enough of everything. I just wanted to throw that in there. Okay, but I'm actually talking about Bible-based. So, when Living Word, for those of you who are new, when Living Word was actually launched in South Africa, it was launched on the 2nd of February, the same day as we launched, but 36 years ago. So Living Word is actually not a new idea. It's actually been an established church for the last 36 years in South Africa. There's probably 20 plus, 25 plus uh, Living Word congregations all around South Africa, but Bintuk is the first international campus, um, which was now obviously planted two years ago. So there's lots of different ministries or uh, missionaries, actually, that were sent out from Living Word, but this is the only international campus, if you will. 
And so what Neville, Wim Neville, we call him Wim Neville, Wim Neville and Tani Rina, they are in their 70s now, but when they started Living Word, the vision in Wim Neville's heart was actually to teach biblical truths to a community to enable people to have a living, functional, amazing, passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. That was what was in his heart. That is the bottom line of it. And that is why we are so passionate about the second element of being Bible-based. That's why the name of this church is Living Word. Not any word, God's Word. We want to be a church that is absolutely based on the Word of God. And um, does that make sense this morning? For some people, this may be a little bit of a repeat, but it's okay. You want to be encouraged again by this. So why don't you turn your Bibles to the New Testament, Hebrews 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. I love this scripture. It says the following. For the word of God is living. Everyone say living. living. And active and full of power. Making it operative, energizing, and effective. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit. In other words, the completeness of a person. And of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's a powerful scripture. And it talks about this power that is available in this book. And you know that we often speak about this, when we speak about the Bible, we know that the Bible is not just any book. It's the Word of God. And what it means by being alive is the fact that it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. I hear so many Christians sometimes from maybe different backgrounds that would share with us and talk to us about the Word and about Scripture, and they would often say to me, you know, I find it very hard to read the Bible. I find it very hard to understand the Bible. Has anyone, anyone ever felt like that? I'm sure we've all been there. But you know what changed it for me? You know what changed my relationship with the Word and what actually changed my life and my relationship with the Lord? Is the moment I was actually filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because this will always be just a book to us unless we are filled with the Spirit of God Himself. Then the Bible will come alive to us. Then God will actually breathe. He's already breathed on the Word. But when you and I read the Bible from a perspective of being filled by the Spirit, we are guided by the Spirit. And it's not written out in the vision, but part of being Bible-based is actually Holy Spirit-led. And you know if you've been in our church for a while, we always talk about the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus actually said that when he left the earth, that I'm going to send you a helper. I've not called you to do this life alone. Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our counselor. He's our guide. And he's also the one that will actually remind us of everything that Jesus has said. And how does he do that? He does that often through the word. So we need to be people of the word. Amen. And it's no coincidence that our name is Living Word as a church, because we believe that the Bible is alive. We believe that through the Holy Spirit, the Luachos Word, Logos Word is actually the written word. But we want to get to a place where it's Rhema Word. In other words, the Rhema Word is the spoken Word of God. That means whenever I'm in a situation and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm going through a tough situation today, now this morning, I'm in my consistent Bible time, and I'm reading a scripture and suddenly something off the page jumps off at me. And suddenly that word, I've read that passage, that scripture a thousand times, but today it's speaking into my situation. That's called a rhema word. That's when the Bible comes alive to us. And that's the place where the Lord wants us to be. And that is one of my personal passions in life, is to actually get people to get excited about the word of God. Because when... The word becomes your anchor, when the word becomes your compass, when the word becomes the thing that actually guides you, it'll change the trajectory of your life. 
It'll lead you to your purpose. It'll lead you to your calling. And you will actually start to live a life of victory and of freedom. Amen? So that is our heart as a church. Everything that we do from outreaches to courses that we do, we want to enrich people's lives by teaching them truths from the word, not opinions, not ideas in this world. I don't know if you've noticed, but the world has gone crazy. I mean, we want to start teaching our children at four years old that they can have hormone changes and operations to change their sex. These things are not biblical. And if we are not going to be part of a church and a community that are going to be basing our lives and basing everything that we do off the truth of Scripture, then we are actually going to miss it by the time that Jesus comes back. And so we said last week, I think, or the week before, we spoke about this and we said, we are never going to be a church, and we pray that God will help us as leaders and anyone that comes onto our team. We are not going to teach down watered-down ideas of Christianity. And sometimes what we are going to teach are not going to be popular. Because Jesus wasn't always popular. But Jesus followed and did only what his father told him to do. And that is going to be our heart as a church. And I just want to read one more scripture, otherwise I will have no time left for your honors. I want to read you this, Luke 11, verse 28. And it says, But he said, On the contrary, blessed, happy, favored by God, are those who hear the word of God and continually observe it. Another translation said, Blessed are those who not only are hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so that is actually, we need many more banners. We want to do another banner with what is our mission. If this is our vision, the bigger picture, what is our mission? What are we going to do every day? Well, our mission is simply this. We're going to be passionate doers of the word of God. If the Bible says do this, we're not going to think about it. We're not going to reason about it. We're not going to fight about it. We're going to do it. We're going to be people of the word that actually does what the, world, what the word calls us to do. And Jesus said this. This is my last point. In Matthew 7, 24, anyone who hears these words of mine and does them is a wise man who builds his house on the rock. In other words, when we find ourselves in a place where we actually do what scripture tells us to do, we will actually build ourselves a solid foundation so when the storms of life come, it will not shake us. It will not get us off course because we will actually be built on the truth of God's word. Amen. Thank you, Marissa. You made it. <laughs> well done. Um, so we talked about loving, we talked about Bible based. Number three is kingdom. So how does what we do fit into the kingdom of God? How can we as a church be part of the kingdom of God? And we, when, we, when we look at the life of, of Jesus, he always preached the kingdom of God. Very unpopular stuff. The kingdom of God. So if, if that's what he preached about, then that's something we should take note of as individuals and as a church, the kingdom of God. So before I talk about this, I would just like us all to stand quickly and pray together. So if you guys can turn for me to the next um, slide, it's the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually the disciples pray and we're going to pray this prayer together but I want you not to just pray it as you know it in this manner therefore we pray our Father in heaven hallowed be your name good to our gospel for you watch what you're going to pray look at the words and we'll see if you recognize something there about the kingdom of ready? Let's pray. In this manner, therefore, we pray. Okay, we get it. Let me read the site. Uh, 
Next slide. It's uh, Matthew. this manner, therefore, we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. In this manner, therefore, we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So to be a kingdom church, to be a kingdom-minded church, to walk in the kingdom of God, to apply the kingdom of God, it's risky business. It's, it's something that says, okay, my will, down. His will, up. I have to lay down myself. I have to sacrifice myself and let His will happen in my life and the world around me. I have to give up control. Hey. His will be done. Your kingdom come, not my own little kingdom. The white picket fence, amper from Just keep on digging that hole. Um, white picket fence, and it's all, it's my own little kingdom and domain. As long as I'm happy and safe with everything, then my life is. Don't they touch my kingdom? It says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth, which means in my domain. On earth as it is in heaven. Not in heaven as it is on earth. Not, okay, God, how can I read this scripture to tune it so that you do my will, that you do this, that you do that? It's His kingdom come on, in heaven. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. So, point I'm trying to make is, it's going to be a risk for us. It's not going to be always smooth sailing on the Mediterranean Sea. It's not going to be It's going to be wind and storms. You know, the personal life, the life of our church, but we have to stand on these truths. We have to let His kingdom manifest all around us. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And again, again, I say there's a risk involved to be kingdom-based. Just look again at the life of Jesus. Because he preached the kingdom of God, because he preached truth, because he didn't compromise the truth, because he didn't water down the gospel, he got crucified. It's a, a risk he was willing to take because he saw and he knew what the rewards was. So now, the, the question we have to ask ourselves as individuals and as a church, are we willing to take that risk? Are we willing to walk into that kingdom of God where there will be risks for us? And, and I want us to think is that this is not something like, oh, no there's no lack of way. You have to really think what you what you say and what you answer. Because if, if you say yes, if you really mean in your heart, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost me. And, and if, it, if it doesn't cost you, then it, it's a hard thing to say, but then are you saved and are you walking according to his will? live according to his will and be part of his kingdom it's going to come it's going to be a risky business so 
and that's that's something that the, that the the Lord has called us as well to do. And I think there's many other churches that, that feels the same that we will stand for truth, we will stand up for that, and we will walk in His truth, and we will allow His kingdom to come as it is in heaven. says there, do not think back the Lord's prayer that said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Yes, but how Lord? And this is the answer. Jesus came and told his disciples, so the disciples is everyone who, who believes in Jesus and committed to walking his way. Go, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. It's in the 19th, risky business. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given to you. sounds daunting but this is what he now says Jesus says I am with you always not I'll come back and I'll be with you or I'll be with you when you do the right thing or when you love me more no 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 he said I am with you always even until That's a that's an awesome awesome thing to hear from God. An awesome promise to, to, to stand on because if He, the one that created heaven and earth, says that I will be with you always, I mean, what's bigger than that? What's more awesome than that? That should make us willing and. 
counted in and also happy to step out to take risks. Amen? Make sense? Um, just one last thing about the kingdom I just want to share. Um, a few weeks ago I went to Malawi with our South African church and there I actually saw the kingdom of God manifest every day. Just want to share one little thing. Um, we went to this one church where we, we sort of wanted to just strengthen the leaders and everyone, but also praying for the sick. Um, didn't praise the people this time. Not yet. Um, it's coming. But, um, so we healed the sick, um, scans the lepers, drive out the demons, all the, those things that's part of the kingdom of God showing up on earth. But there was one, one guy there, um, and some of you heard this before, just like in the Bible. So his friends brought him in on a, a mat, a, a bamboo mat. They brought him in because he was lame, couldn't walk. Story about those ones in scripture where the friends had faith for his healing. So these men had faith for this guy that was lame. And the pastor there, he checked out this guy, he's like, ah, this is an opportunity to show the kingdom of God. They laid hands on him, they prayed for him, and this was a man about my stature, not my age, he's a bit younger, but his legs. Looked like that, thin, thin, thin. It was nothing. He couldn't walk past him over 50 or so years. He was lame, lame, lame. And they laid hands on him. They prayed for him. And what did they pray? They said, Lord, sometimes you don't know what to pray. They said, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. As it is on heaven, the lame sick people in heaven come up. As it is in heaven, so would be on earth. So what happened? The guy stood up, just like in the Bible. He took his mat. Took his mat. Put it under his arm. For some reason, they don't have any expressions on their face. They just... Walked out. Healed. Kingdom of God, are you willing to take risks for God? Are you willing to step out? Because if you are, this is the place for you. Um, and I hope you all are. Well, lastly, is my last point. I know we're a bit over, over time, but it's fine today. We're taking liberties today. We, we are still in, in church, um, the circles, we are still new. A lot of new things that the Lord still does um, with us as a team, with us as a church. And there's many new things happening around us, but I wrote on here, so I'm going to read it, it's going to make more sense. But for us as a church and individuals, rather be novice at something new that God is doing, than being old school, Angalanika, a professional, and you do old things which the God is, which God is not doing anymore. Rather be a novice at something new that God is doing than being professional at something old that God is not doing anymore. He's a God of new that's the kingdom respite, risk part of the vision. Thank you. I mean, come on, who now wants to come to the Bundu? Oh. <laughs> Woo, we're so excited. I'm checking Lauren there. We are the only two females. Pray for us. We are going camping. Not glamping, says Johannes. I asked for a few favors. He was like, yeah. So, Lauren, 
we will have a congregation praying for us, but Lauren is actually, she's not as glamping as me, I don't think. She can rub it up. <laughs> but yo, I'm so excited about that because we honestly want to see and trust the Lord for crazy things. We always say this, so if you've been part of our church for a long time, you know we are not here to play church. We're not here to look cute. We are here to be powerful. Amen? We are here to walk in victory. We are here to actually do the same things Jesus did on earth because Jesus said, you will do the same things that I did and even more. But that was Johannes' point. Please let me stick to my point. I'm going to read one last scripture and Johannes is going to end for us with communion this morning. Uh, Acts 2. If you know this, this is really good. Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. Can you see when I stand here? Okay. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshipped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, everyone say each day. Each day. The Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so my last point of our vision is just this, it's community. And that word that we read there for fellowship, it actually refers to in the Greek to the word koinonia, 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 which matter, doesn't matter how you pronounce it, the point is this, there's a point. It actually, in Greek, it actually refers to four different concepts. Okay, it doesn't just mean fellowship, oh, let's, let's like a huddle together. It actually has four specific principles it's referring to. Number one, it's in the U version notes, I think. It refers to fellowship. Okay, so in other words, it refers to face-to-face, -face, not on Zoom, but face-to-face -face fellowship. It refers to sharing. In other words, I'm not just holding on from me, but I'm also sharing with what I have with those who are around me. It refers to participation. Okay, and number four, it refers to contribution. And I believe the last two things are actually so profound to me when we talk about community. Participation and contribution. And when we talk about a vision like this, and when we talk about a local church that God is actually busy establishing, the idea is actually for all of us to both uh, participate and contribute. Because that is actually where the power of community will come from. It can't just be two people, or three people, or the, how many of our team that we have here this morning. It can't just be ten people. It has to be all of us. And there are different ways we can participate, and there are different ways that we can contribute. Not everyone's season looks the same in every season. But there is something that you have that this church needs. You might not believe it, but there is. It could be anything. Okay, God has actually called us to be a body. He's called us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world. My gift is not your gift. Your gift is not my gift. Everyone's gift looks different, but everyone's gift is needed. And some of us are the parts in the body that are actually seen way up front. And some of us are the parts of the body like the liver that is unseen but so, so necessary. And you have something to contribute. And that word of participation, actually, if you break that down in the Greek, it actually means to partner, to share, companion, and joint participation. And if you look further, it actually also refers to sharing in communion together, sharing in the Lord's body together, breaking bread together. And so we're not going to unpack that too much this morning. I want to rather leave room for Johannes to, for us to actually share in communion together, literally. But I want to encourage us as a church that we actually want to be community. And you know what? To establish community will take time. It will take building relationships. 
But I want to encourage us that Sunday is a, is a beautiful day to gather. It's a beautiful day to be encouraged to serve one another, to worship together, to sow seeds of the word into the hearts of our children and into our own hearts. But community actually happens Monday to Saturday. So we want to invite you, if you are not yet part of our community, come and be. And we don't have yet 100 ministries. We're young. We're still a baby church. Now, we're probably going into toddler phase at two. Is that when toddler phase starts? So we're not going to throw tantrums, but we are going to grow into a place where there will be a space for every single person's gift and contribution to have a space to actually flourish. But in the season where we are, there's many things where we need your hands, where we need either your time or we need your thinking or we need your strategy or we need your ideas. And so we want to constantly encourage us as a church Take hands with us. If you feel like this church is your home, God will lead you to the place where you need to be anchored. But if this is your church, we want to invite you, come and be a part of it. Give what you can in the season where you are. And together we are going to see God do incredible things in our community. We're going to see God do incredible things in our personal lives, in our marriages. Because that's where society will actually be changed. I believe it's first in our marriages in our personal relationships, then in what we sow into our children, and then it goes wider. Amen? Amen. Well, Johannes is going to end off with communion for us this morning. There's something special that happens when we have communion. And it's, it's something that's also not for, for church. It's not something we do here once a month, the first Sunday of every month. That's what we do, no? It's, it's something we can also do at home. We can do it every day. We can do 
Mama Badaya, morning you, Mother at night, but it's there for a reason, it's there for us to remind ourselves about Jesus and what He did for us and what He has for us. I'm just going to wait for the team to hand up the communion. Thank the Lord for who He is. Thank the Lord for something great He did in your life. And reflect His goodness in, his, in your life, His grace in your life. Uh, just, just come to the Lord with a thankful heart this morning for who He is for you. And then you have a communion in your own time. And afterwards we will we'll end with a song. With the song, you can just all stand and sing together. Amen. Thank you, Lord, just for this amazing day, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that we can be in your house today, and that we can celebrate your name, that we can celebrate who you are, Lord Jesus. Yes, Jesus, you are the answer to everything. Um, you have the answer to everything, Lord God. You are a just God, Lord. And like it says in your scripture, your throne, Lord God, Bold on justice and righteousness. 
unless it flows from the throne of the Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that as a church and as individuals, we want to love like you love, Lord God. We want to, to show the justice and live the just, Lord God, but with your mercy as well. We want to love mercy. We want to love people. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. We want to live humbly before you as a church. Because we know, Lord God, we can't do anything without you. You are our rock. You are our salvation. You are our strength. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for church, Lord God, that reminds us about you, that reminds us about the promises that you have for each and every one of us, that reminds us of every promise, Lord God, in your scriptures that also applies to us here today, because you are within us, you live within us. this church, I bless everyone here, Lord God, we bless this school, we bless this community, we bless this city, and Lord God, may your, your blessings be poured out on this country of the 